1: A 20-yard attempt. Josh Harris, the snapper, he'll call to the place, he'll hold it. Byron waits for the snap to the place. There it is, the kick is up, the kick is good! Auburn wins! 22-19! What's going on everybody and welcome to another episode of the Auburn Today Podcast. As always, my name is Noble. I'm joined here with my co-host Wheeler. Today we have a lot to talk about. It's been a little while since we've been on the pod, had a couple, a little bit of family stuff, some school stuff, just a lot going on, but we are back and we will be back to our normal scheduled weekly uh, podcasts. And so now it's just uh, kind of a time to recap everything that has really happened. So we're going to kind of split this podcast into three little segments in the three sports that have had the most going on with baseball, kind of like the baseball, basketball, and football arenas. So we're going to start off with baseball. The Tigers are coming off of a series that they lost against the Tennessee Volunteers in Knoxville, the number one ranked Tennessee Volunteers. That was a series where Auburn held, was you know very competitive in every game, really came down to the last inning on that Sunday game. But Wheeler, I'm going to let you kind of give us your thoughts about what you learned from that Tennessee series, and how is that setting your expectations for this weekend series against the number four-ranked Arkansas Razorbacks in Winston Park?
0: Okay, so I now expect us to win the Arkansas series. Um, I think that it it would be great if we could do it. We would definitely be hosting a regional if we were able to uh, – if we were able to pull the series win off, um, and that would be great. Um, thought we played really well. Even in the game that we got blown out, I mean, that was just a bad inning. And after that bad inning, Butch just made a business decision and quit throwing good arms. So, I mean, we're competitive in all the games, <clears throat> I would say. And so that's what you wanted. You wanted to go on the road. You, the goal on the road is to always steal at least one. Um, And when it's a team that's only lost three games before you played them, to be able to steal one is massive. Um, It was great to see uh, the three-run shot, the bat flip, um, and then Tennessee's manager absolutely flipping his lid and throwing the baseball bat back at him. A lot of people getting really uptight about Tennessee's players smack talking and let's just say they're baseball players. Tennessee has guys who are baseball players, and we all know baseball players are jerks. I mean, that's just the truth. Like, baseball players, for the most part, are not likable people. Like, unless you are a baseball player, you you might like baseball players, but there's probably a couple guys on your team that you just absolutely want to punch in the face. Like, football, you might have one or two. Baseball, it's like... If you could line up the whole school, half of the school, maybe more, would want to punch every single baseball player squarely in the face. Like, so I have a tough time, like, thinking that Auburn just has these, you know, choir boys on the baseball field and they would never say anything wrong. And I can't believe the big bad Tennessee players are cussing at them. Oh, my goodness. No, they're baseball players. They're probably cussing each other back and forth. I know for a fact, talked to a friend this week that there were some Auburn baseball players playing golf in Auburn this week, and they got angry that this guy was driving while they were still on the green, and they drove back to his golf ball and threw it in the lake, okay? Like, these guys were saying stuff, too. It was a two-way street. Tennessee was not innocent. Auburn was not innocent. Love seeing Gabe Gross and Tim Hudson go out there and yell at the Tennessee players. Love the fire of baseball. Sometimes it's good that everybody's a jerk because, you know, jerks going on jerks. It's like, Hey, this is kind of interesting. So yeah, it added a little bit of flavor to the series. I personally love it. Baseball can kind of get boring and it's always better when there's a little bit of tension where you never know if the pitcher is just going to drill the dude in the back. Um, That being said, I have no idea why SEC teams are still pitching to Sonny DeShira. Like, it it makes absolutely no sense to me. The guy is most likely going to hit a home run. If you throw all of the pitches to him in a series, he's going to hit one or two home runs, just guaranteed. He cannot run around the bases. If you walk the guy to first base and the guy at the plate hits a double, Sonny isn't making it to third. Not – And I don't know that it's because Sonny's not fast enough. Sonny doesn't try and run fast enough because he doesn't want to blow a hamstring. Anybody that is just outwardly eating in the dugout, eating a smoothie or ice cream or whatever it is, buddy, you know that that guy isn't planning on just huffing it to third base. I mean, who thinks before I go for a run, let me go get a snack. Nobody. (laughs) No. This guy's not going to huff it. He is a power hitter. Great hitter. Absolutely love watching the guy play baseball. But strategy-wise, I do not understand why you don't walk the guy every single time. Um, other than that, Noble, just about jinxed Auburn baseball, he's sitting there. We're watching the game together. He goes, man, our catchers have been great this year. No sooner does he say our catchers have been great this year than do we give up two runs off of wild pitches that the catcher just missed blocking. I I nearly punched him in the face. I almost treated him like he was a baseball player and just -ah!" right in the face. But no, I didn't. And then the catcher stepped up. Great win. Hard-fought loss on Sunday. Excited for the team. Can't wait to see what we do against the Piggies. I hope that we win. I expect that we win. Actually, here's the thing. If this were any other team, I would expect we win, but this is Auburn, which means we're going to lose two games. We're going to lose the series, but hey, we'll probably win the Sunday game.
1: My, okay, so first of all, I have to defend my honor on the jinx. Okay. Nate LaRue had has had a really good structure of baseball and was playing really well in game one and was playing really well in game two until the wild pitches started getting to him, but he rebounded and played good the third game. He did yes. pick a guy off and broke the curse. Exactly. So I am that saying. Cat. I am saying. I am still confidently saying that our catchers are much better, and really all of them. I mean, not it's not just Larue. I mean, even you know earlier in the season, you know all the catchers were doing better than the catchers were last season. That's just something I wanted to add. But um, so just kind of an outlook on how the SEC West is looking for baseball. It's a really tight race. So you have Arkansas, the top of the conference with a 14 and seven record. Auburn is number two. Well, Auburn LSU and Texas A&M are all right behind them with a 12 and nine record, but Auburn has the head to head against LSU and Texas A&M, which is really big. So, and then you have Alabama, Mississippi state, and Ole Miss is the, uh, the three bottom teams. So Auburn if we can win this series, we will be really close with Arkansas. And our next two series after this weekend, we have Alabama, who is fifth in the West, and Kentucky, who's dead last in the East. Arkansas is coming in, and they're going to have so – right now, they travel to Auburn, they host Vanderbilt, then they go to Alabama. So, if we can win this series, there's a legitimate chance that Auburn could win the West, which – I mean, if you had told a lot of people that Auburn would be winning the SEC West in baseball this season, they would have called you crazy. So that's something to really look at uh, in addition to uh, the game this weekend. And really, I, I'm kind of in your, but I feel almost confident in this series because of how dominant Tennessee has been and how Auburn was right there with them until the seventh inning in every single game. You know, like that. I mean, that first game, the score is absolutely atrocious I mean we got absolutely blown out but we were winning going into the seventh inning and then it just all fell apart and like you said it, you know we put in the guys we put in a midweek closer to close up not even a midweek we put in a midweek like fourth five sixth inning kind of guy who usually gets teed off on by Alabama State so you know that that, that was like you said just butch kind of living to see another game but I'm really excited for this series and really just, you know, having another series in Pointsman Park where it should be packed the whole, the whole time. You know, obviously finals are wrapping up, so students are starting to leave and everything. But I really think that the attendance for this series will be the best that we've seen for a three-game uh, weekend series all, all season. So I'm really excited about that. Um, and obviously, you know, Arkansas is big, but also looking forward, having Alabama coming up, you really want to build some momentum going into that series so that, you know, it always feels good to beat Alabama. So uh, baseball just kind of has a, a very interesting outlook, but this series this weekend is the most crucial series of the season. If we win, we're in the, you know, right in there for the SEC West in the, you know, pretty much clinch hosting a regional, you know, good things will happen if we can win this series this weekend.
0: Yeah. It should be fun. I'm intrigued to see how we, uh, how we handle it. I hope that Brody didn't throw his arm out, throwing the golf ball into the lake.
1: But only time will tell with that one. Only but, time will tell. But we'll be back being able next week to break down the series against Arkansas. But now we can kind of shift our focus. We're going to shift right now to the basketball arena. The, uh, the big news with basketball is Trey Donaldson is committed to playing basketball only and will not play football as he originally intended to coming in and Auburn landed Moorhead state transfer Janai Broom who averaged 17 points, 11 rebounds and four blocks per game uh, with three years of eligibility remaining. And obviously with Julian Phillips's commitment coming next week, it's starting to look like the roster is really coming together and almost finalized. If, you know, if Phillips comes to Auburn, the roster will be completely finalized. No more scholarships left, but we either, just give us kind of your your outlook of how, how the rotations can kind of go with these new additions. And do you think between the, the trio of Broom, Williams, and Johan Traor, who do you think will be the two guys that get the starting spot? And who do you think will be, you know, a, a, arguably the top six men in the SEC?
0: Yeah, so – First of all, we'll just go through. So, Trey Donaldson, only playing basketball. Uh, We kind of predicted this on the podcast before, Um, not only by the fact of – I mean, he's a solid football prospect, but we really said, you know, if Gus were there, maybe. But Harson's not a a two-sport athlete kind of guy once you get to Auburn. I mean, you kind of saw it with John Samuel Schenker – um, he let him finish baseball last season, but he had already, you know, started playing baseball by the time Harson got there. Um, he decided to quit baseball. You kind of saw Harson. I feel like has really circled the wagons and is like, you know what? I'm not going to try and do anything that I don't think is the right way to do it because I'm going to get fired if it doesn't go well. Um, so yeah, you kind of saw Trey Donaldson. You saw that coming. Um, So that was not surprising. Then Johnny Broom, you know, a lot of people are a little suspicious as to whether he'll be able to continue that same production as he moves up a level. And honestly, the way that Bruce has recruited the transfer portal, even guys that have come up from lower levels, I feel like they haven't had a drop in production. Zepp Jasper's about the only one scoring-wise, but it wasn't because he couldn't score. It's because he, like, just didn't try very much because in the games where he actually attacked the basket or took shots, he was back up at his production level of the other division. Um, And this is a guy that Bruce and Steven and the whole coaching staff scouted to play against and then saw him play against Walker Kessler and against all of the other guys at Auburn. Um, And I mean, his stat line, his stat line was actually pretty solid for it to be his first game. And it was the first game Auburn and Morehouse played. Um, he scored Morehead 12 State. points, huh? Morehead, not Morehouse. Sorry. So he uh, he scored 12 points, which is, I mean, they scored what, like 41, 44? So, I mean, they didn't score a lot of points. So scoring 12 points out of 40 points is really impressive. Um, he didn't have any blocks, but. I mean, are you really expecting a guy to have a lot of blocks against Walker Kessler when you got the pick and roll actually going the way that it was early in the season? I mean, Walker wasn't exactly taking shots. It was either, you know, Wendell going up and laying one up on you or throwing it over your head and Walker just jamming on you. So, I don't know. I'm excited about that. Um, and then Julian, what do you th- do you think Julian – We'll come to Auburn.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's a honestly, I think it's a coin flip as of right now. Um, Tennessee, Florida State, and the G League are all very real, uh, very real options for him. Uh, I really think that it'll become a little bit more clear as we get closer. Um, but I will say, I feel better today than I did at this time last week, and a lot of that is because of the visit. Ended up staying another night. Um, in Auburn for the visit, had a visit scheduled to Kansas State. He ended up canceling that. And Kansas State wasn't really like – they weren't really a real factor to land him. But I do think it's interesting that he canceled the visit because that indicates to me that he's kind of just like – he knows where he's going, you know. And I think that if you – if you can kind of look at it, he wouldn't have stayed in Auburn another night if he had not if – he, if he knew that he was not coming to Auburn. So I think that he made the decision a couple days after he finished that Auburn visit. And I think it's encouraging that Auburn was kind of the last visit in that thing. And he stayed another night. So I like the, the indicators that I'm, you know, kind of looking at in that arena look pretty good for Auburn. Uh, But I really don't think anyone can definitively say as of right now, uh, because I do think everyone has a legitimate shot, but I, I think that it's a, He's an interesting guy, and it's also really interesting to see how he will kind of acclimate himself to the roster if he does come with a loaded front court. And you'll obviously probably see a little bit of more of the positionless basketball kind of style um, that is prevalent in the NBA right now. So I think it'll be very interesting to see. But another thing that I would like to ask you: whether do you think if Auburn does not land Phillips, do you think that The staff will try and replace the last scholarship with another guy, or do you think they'll just be content with how the roster is? And similar to situation last season when they just gave the scholarship to Preston Cook, because personally, I think the roster is complete right now, and I think that Julian Phillips is the kind of guy where you just don't say no to. But it's not necessarily like. Essential that we get Julian Phillips. It's not essential that we fill out that last roster spot, but what do you think about about uh, that situation?
0: No, I'm with you because I, th- I mean, at some point you gotta take that NCAA penalty of missing out on a scholarship, and so it's like we said on previous podcasts, you have five years to do that, and it's likely that out of five years, like you're gonna have two guys like Julian that say no, where you have hey. We're going to keep the scholarship open. We're not sure if he's coming or not. And if he doesn't, that's the year we burn the scholarship. Like, that's the vibe that I'm getting off of Bruce. I don't know. It's weird to me. Whenever a guy starts bringing the G League in, and maybe I just didn't follow his recruitment that closely, I didn't know that the G League was really an option for him until he dropped his top, what, like, he dropped his top six? I don't know. G League... I think I'm just scarred from Auburn missing out on a couple of guys to the G League. And then there's a lot of buzz on Twitter that he's going to Tennessee. Um, I don't know if those people are knowledgeable or if they're just saying Tennessee with a period to try and act like they know what's happening. Tennessee. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I hope he comes to Auburn. And, I mean, it's like you said. I think that if he comes to Auburn, you're in a situation then where position basketball may not be the best game plan for Auburn. And so just saying, oh, this gonna, these are the guys at the one, these are the guys at the two, I, that's not how Bruce is going to do it. That's not how – I mean, even this year we were in – I guess it was the Mississippi State game and we were yeah. running a lineup for the first time. So if you think that Bruce is just going to – you know, in preseason basketball, say, okay, here are my best guys, one through five, and then this is my sixth guy off the bench. Like, we have no earthly idea what that man's going to come up with because it might be the second-to-last regular season game, and he's throwing a whole new lineup out there. Um, I do know this, though. He will have wide-open competition and just see who the ballers are. And he's the kind of coach, he's just going to put the best basketball players on the floor. Like, he's not going to care about matchups as much i feel like he if he has a roster like this is going to try and dominate the tempo and the style of game even i mean kind of like he did last year um i mean he did that in just about every game where he was like "Uh, i'm gonna throw my lineup out there and y'all can adjust to me because i have the athletes to do to handle whatever you're gonna throw at me and the only game that that really got thrown off was the alabama game up in tuscaloosa when walker had serious foul trouble. But even then Dylan was still playing almost his best game ever. So who knows?
1: Well I also think it's a I think it's a really interesting like if you just think of it, you're gonna have Janai Broom if if we get Phillips, you're gonna have Jani Broom, Julian Phillips, um, Johan, Jalen Williams, and Chance Western. You look at those five guys and at least one, probably two of those guys are going to come off the bench. Like, and I know that, you know, I I try and avoid sounding like a broken record talking about the program, but, like, Chance Westry is a top 35 player. Phillips and Johan are both five stars. Jalen Williams, honestly, is, I mean, talent-wise, if you drop him on that, even, like, really any of the teams that Bruce had before we made the Final Four, even the, like, even the team... That won the SEC regular season. If you put Jalen Williams on that team, it makes them a whole different animal because you're replacing Deshaun Murray with Jalen Williams. And I know that not everyone knows who Deshaun Murray is, but the guys that do know who Deshaun Murray is knows that Jalen Williams is a much more talented basketball player. Now, love Deshaun Murray, great guy, like he's a great human being, and he's you know was good at basketball. But Jalen Williams is on a different level than him. Jani Broom, you look at his numbers, like come on. Auburn hasn't had a guy like that besides Walker Kessler Auburn's never had a guy like that even Kyle Davis didn't block four shots a game so I think that it's a very just the talent on this team and you can legitimately make the debate that if we get Julian Phillips at this next year's team we'll have more talent than this past year's team it won't have it might not have the guy like Jabari Smith was the guy it might not have someone who just puts up video Game numbers night in and night out like Walker Kessler, but if you look at it top to bottom, with another five star, there's a legitimate debate that this team is more talented than last year's team. And last year's team, I would make the argument was the most talented team in Auburn basketball history. So it's really exciting to watch, and this is it's it, it has a different feel than the kind of like the Jalen Green saga. And part of it is because Julian Phillips's recruitment has been a lot quieter and. He's not quite the caliber player that Jalen Green was. I'm not arguing that. But he's extremely talented. But if we miss on Julian Phillips, we'll be okay. Like, we will be okay. We will still compete for the SEC. We will still make the tournament convincingly. We will we'll win some games. Like, we are not worried about the, the future of the team. Without Jalen Green, though, you kind of saw it. You're like, well, like, we, th- that team was missing a guy. And Jalen Green could have been that guy, but it was like, well, if you don't get Jalen Green, you have a a pretty big hole in your roster, which this year we're really not going to have even if we don't get Phillips. So it's almost like the team is pretty set, and if you want to add a super talented five-star player, then you will. So that's another thing to watch. So I'm really excited about that. I believe his commitment date will be um he announced it yesterday i think it's may 12th may 13th something like that um so
0: i think it's the 12th i think it's next thursday
1: Twelfth. okay so next thursday so um let's see today is thursday so we'll probably have we'll shoot to have a podcast next thursday and hopefully it'll be kind of the day of uh instant reactions to the news whichever whichever way it might be but whether are there any other uh facets of the basketball uh, roster that you want to talk about before we talk about the uh, kind of the the news uh, about their uh, overseas journey.
0: Uh, yeah, you remember when you were pouting after the Miami game, and I told you that we would be just as good, if not better, next year. I would not say pouting
1: is the right word because I would say was, that I was in a, he
0: was pouting.
1: I would say I was, was in a better mental state been... than you were, sir.
0: Noble has has gotten this this emo phase that comes out about once a year in every sport. And it started this year in football. Okay, so after the Alabama game, Noble's heart was broken and shattered into a million pieces.
1: I was in a very bad spot.
0: He was so down on Auburn. It was it. If y'all had heard the things Noble was saying after the Alabama game, he would no longer have an Auburn sports podcast. He'd work for the Tiger Insider. I mean, he was hating on the Tigers. Same thing. After the Miami game, I called him. I said, you know, I hate that I was right about my prediction about how the tournament was going to go. Oh, we wasted a -a once-in-a-generation talent. We'll never be good again. We're never going to win a championship. But, oh, here we go. We pick up a couple of transfers. Bruce waves his magic wand. Steven stands on the bar at the Auburn Club and starts spraying the champagne again. And Noble's back on the train and thinks that we can be good at basketball next year. I love it. I absolutely love it. Now you can talk about
1: the trip to Israel. I try and keep the rants to a minimum, but you know, every once in a while the rants will come out. And
0: I let it out on the podcast.
1: Noble just shoves it
0: down deeper and deeper. He's like a Coke bottle, and then Auburn loses something, and it's like throwing a mento in there. And
1: <laughs>
0: I mean, I will say
1: explosion. I will say the explosion after the Iron Bowl was an explosion. I think I went on an uninterrupted 50, 10 to 15 minute rant about the program bringing up this i mean i it it was in depth. i mean it went 70s 80s 90s 2000 i mean it was it was a a very very pin-up rant whereas basketball i wouldn't say it was much near of an explosion i would say that it was much more of a passive aggressive disappointment compared to absolute brokenness after that iron ball but that's where i'm at right now but Another fun, interesting news is that Bruce Pearl will be taking his team overseas this offseason to compete in Israel um, from July 31st to August 10th. They'll be playing against the Israeli U-20 team and their senior team. So they'll have three total games, two against the U-20 squad and one against the senior team. Uh, for those who are unaware, this is the first time Auburn basketball has traveled overseas since 2017. You can only do it once every four seasons. Um, and when they went to Italy in 2017, they played. mean, they played a few games, and I think they outscored opponents by about 200 points. I remember the first game, we were winning 54 to eight at halftime. So, and ironically, Deshaun Murray led the team in scoring in that first game. So that's a, a fun fact for everybody. Um, but, we either, what are your thoughts about this trip, and do you think this is just? Do you think that this is something that's really? beneficial to the actual team because obviously you know in 2017 when they went on the trip to Italy they ended up winning the SEC regular season do you think that this kind of trip is correlated to the team's success at all do you think it's mostly good for team building do you think it's just a cool experience to kind of bring up to recruits every couple years that you know you like to do this Um, but how do you think that this trip can really impact the season and the, the program as a whole?
0: Well, the last time we went on an international trip, we ended up going to the Final Four. It's definitely more about uh, team building and, I mean, I guess, especially. so in Italy, it's just about going and having a good time and team building. In Israel, I feel like it gives the opportunity for a learning experience too because, I mean, there's a lot of history that has happened um, inside of Israel And I think that Bruce has, I mean, he's been very vocal on social media talking about, you know, his support for Israel, um, you know, politically. And I think he used that as a learning experience, especially during the uh, Black Lives Matter movement, where he kind of empathized with a lot of the players on the team saying, you know, even though I'm not black and I haven't experienced the same things that you have, like, being jewish i have experienced things similar to what you're experiencing and i think taking them over to israel and kind of showing them is kind of just as a whole growing experience is something that bruce is trying to do and so i think he's trying to do the team building obviously the basketball i'm looking up right now israel's uh varsity national team you know they're not great um there's a lot of did not qualify for, you know, every single major tournament so far for the 2023 World Cup qualifiers. They have lost both of their games. So it's not looking great for this team to, you know, qualify, but still an international basketball team ought to present a challenge to a college team. Um, but no, I think it's really cool that Bruce is going to take the team to Israel and um, Show them the sites, get the team together, and learn a
1: little bit. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's a really interesting, uh, a really interesting trip. And I think it'll be really cool for the guys, especially. And I think, uh, what's his name? Jabari Smith posted on his Instagram story, and it was a, uh, I can't remember exactly what he said, but he was essentially like a little disappointed that they didn't do it a year before, which I thought was, uh, kind of funny. So it's definitely something that the guys are excited about. Um, and they'll have they'll have a good time over there so hopefully they can have a good time and play some good basketball and also it'll help you know kind of get the team together and playing competitive basketball before uh before the season really starts but i feel like that kind of wraps up our basketball discussion we can kind of shift to the football field um starting out wheeler uh, the NFL draft happened, and Roger McCreary was the only Auburn Tiger taken with the 35th overall pick to the Tennessee Titans. Um, you know, guys like Jacoby McClain, Smoke Monday, Chandler Wooten, um, T.D. Moultrie, Brodarius Ham, and Demetrius Robertson are all guys that uh, all got signed to uh, NFL, you know, mini camps and everything, but were not drafted. Were you surprised that they were not drafted? And do you think that any of those guys have the potential to make that 53-man roster for this fall?
0: I was not surprised at any of those people. Not, uh, actually, I was mildly surprised that Zacoby did not go in the late rounds. Um, I don't know. I think that this draft was less on Harson, And, I mean, even, I don't know, it's tough to say, less on Gus Here's the thing. A lot of the guys that chose to come back to Auburn honestly had better draft potential than the guys that chose to leave. And that's a really strange thing to say, but it almost feels like those guys were run off. Just off of their reaction to Harson. like, first of all, you want to know why Smoke probably wasn't drafted anywhere? is because he can't cover. And if you can't cover in the NFL – No one wants you as a safety. Also, if you're just an idiot and try and get a targeting every single game, like he was trying to get thrown out of the Birmingham bowl. You could see every single hit he had, he was going for a targeting and he was trying to get as many shots in as he could until he finally got called for targeting. What a moron. Like NFL teams, they're fine with your crazy. If you're smart and crazy, like, If you have no regard for your own body but you don't hurt the team by getting 15-yard penalties, like, they couldn't care less if you get fined. Like, that doesn't affect them at all. If you want to go blow up your own teammate in pregame warm-ups, like, most NFL teams are like, okay, as long as it's not one of our starters, go kill this guy that we picked up as a free agent. Smoke's just an idiot. He's not going to know when to let off. Like, no, he's not going to make a roster. He's not good enough to play in the NFL. And the only reason he left Auburn is probably because Arson told him he needed to go. And he didn't think that the transfer market would be too appealing for him because nobody wants an idiot. Football idiot. I don't know. He could be a genius in the classroom. But as far as his football playing, I mean, he got way too many targetings for it to be an accident. Like, there are plenty of people that play safety and do not get any targetings. And Smoke got one almost every game. I mean, come on. You know... You know, too, it's not like there's a the only there are a couple of plays where it's like, wow, he was really trying to hit the guy and the target zone move lower. None of smoke's targetings. You were like, oh, come on. That's where you hate to see this. This call. It wasn't like the targeting against Penn State, where it's like the guy is flipped over upside down and the not just going to let him go into the end zone. Like that was just playing football and it got called targeting. What Smoke was doing was literally launching his head into somebody else's head to try and end their career. So, no, Smoke isn't going to do it. Demetrius Robertson? I, I'm i surprised he got picked up as a free agent. I mean, do, did you see anything that was on the football field this year that made you think NFL? I can't no. think of a single game that was NFL c- caliber with him.
1: I, I would say he was the second best receiver on – the worst receiving core in the SEC.
0: Yeah. So now nah, I'm I'm not expecting him to make the 53 man roster. Um and then Zacoby, I could see Zacoby making the 53 man roster only because um I mean the reason he didn't get drafted is he's undersized and GMs if you cut or if a guy comes in and is undersized and he's a draft pick there is more of a feeling that you need to keep this guy because it looks bad to the fan base in the NFL when you cut your sixth-round draft pick or you cut your fifth-round draft pick, but you keep these undrafted free agents because it looks like you wasted a pick. So do you go with the undersized guy? No. Do I, are there more undrafted free agents in the Hall of Fame than first-round draft picks? Yes, there are. So, you can be a fine NFL player. You can make a roster. You can be a great special teams guy. I, I see him being a guy that plays in the league on special teams um, because he he's a good football player and he finds the football. So, I think he'll make a team. He might get cut and then get picked up somewhere. But, yeah, I see, I see Zacoby playing in the league. Heck, maybe Smoke can make it on special teams because he's just so
1: crazy. Yeah, I think it's an interesting, an interesting thing. And Zacoby really reminds me a lot of Deshaun Davis when he was going through the draft process. And obviously, Deshaun ended up being a six-round pick. Both were highly productive college linebackers. Both were just a little undersized, and really speed. Speed's a big thing. Like, because if you're gonna be Jacoby's size, you really can't play middle linebacker in the NFL. You got to play on the outside. And his speed, I mean, he ran, I mean he ran a four, I think he ran like a 4.79, 40 at the combine. And it's just like well, that's just that's not fast enough to be an outside linebacker in the NFL. His Papo, coverage skills
0: were lacking.
1: Exactly. Owen Papo will in all likelihood end up being an outside linebacker in the NFL. He runs a four-four. He runs like a four-four-two. So I mean that's that's a big difference. So it's it's a very it's unfortunate because like you said. He's got a nose for the football, he finds the ball, he fills the hole, he's fearless, he hits hard he's a i mean he's a really talented football player, but it's just he just doesn't really have the athletic just the pure raw freak athleticism that NFL players have now, obviously, you know he could prove us wrong and make it in the NFL, but I think the fact it did not surprise me that he slid in the draft. Now I thought he would be drafted in the 6th or 7th round along with Smoke. I thought Smoke would be drafted in the 6th. Um but it didn't happen and now they but now I mean it really it matters but it really I mean once you get signed to that team it's like okay, you're on the team. So it's like so now if you're if you ball out in practice, they're not going to cut you. Like they're not going to just cut you because you were undrafted. If you're playing well in practice, you're going to make the team. Smoke is an interesting guy. I do agree with what you said. A lot of the time he went for those targeting penalties. And you can really see that if you look at a guy like Jamie and Sherwood. Jamie and Sherwood was an extremely, extremely talented and productive player at Auburn. And he got a couple targetings as a safety. But all of his, like, he was a, I mean, he was a really hard-hitting safety. That was kind of his specialty. He was kind of a linebacker that was just a safety. But he also was actually good at covering people, unlike Smoke. So that's probably why Jamien you know, got drafted and is, you know, a starter in the NFL. But you could see his targeting penalties were not just him just headhunting. I mean, it was him making a football play and the situation just kind of turned on him and hit the guy in the head, gets tossed. And I think he only got ejected from two games for targeting and only one was his last year. I mean, he had one year where he started the whole season. He only got one targeting call. Smoke, I mean, Smoke led the, he led the power five in targetings every single season that he was a contributor in Auburn. Like, that's insane. That's insane. That is a common thing that people know, like, people know that you're just a headhunter. And it's exciting to watch sometimes, but a lot of the time you're just like, man, like, 15 yards is 15 yards and you can't do that. But I think that game. Exactly. And if, if Smoke can be taught, how to cover, and to how to have a little bit of restraint in the right moments, I think he could make the NFL. But I just feel like it's difficult. I mean, if you're not a good coverage guy in college, it's rare that you're just going to pick it up. You know, like usually even the guys, I mean, you look at Jamal Adams, and Jamal Adams is statistically one of the worst coverage safeties in the NFL, fantastic run-stopping safety. But if you look at him in college, he was perfect. Like, if you look at him as a safety prospect, there were no holes in his game. He looked absolutely perfect because college is easier than the NFL. Like, usually if you are statistically a really bad guy in pass coverage, that's not just going to get better in the NFL. So maybe he could become, get into one of these weird modern defenses and be kind of a hybrid linebacker like he was at Auburn this season, Um, but it'll be the right, he's got to have the right fit. He's got to have the right system, the right scheme. And he still has to improve in his coverage skills, even if he's going to be playing linebacker. But um, that'll definitely be an interesting aspect to watch. We're definitely cheering for those guys uh, to make the league and, you know, do well, represent Auburn. But I do want to emphasize what you said about, you know, Auburn's best prospects came back, you know, like Colby Wooden, Derek Hall both have first, second-round grades. Tank Bigsby will be a second, third-round pick. Owen Papo right now is projected as the number five linebacker taken in next year's draft. Like, we're going to have some – you know, the NFL draft next season will be more generous than it was this past season. Comes in waves, but I do think that Auburn's best prospects are still at the school Uh, compared to in other years where they usually leave. But that's kind of our NFL draft analysis – um, but the big news from football w- came last night with Auburn finally landing a transfer wide receiver in Miami transfer Dazzlin Worsham. Uh Worsham attended Hewitt Trustful High School and was a teammate of former or of current Auburn receiver Javarius Johnson. Um, he was you know six one one ninety five and out of high school held offers from Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, Florida, and Auburn. So we either Kind of, what were you? What was your first thought when you saw Worsham uh, committing to Auburn? And kind of, how are you? What mind space are you at with that guy? And do you think Auburn should still be pursuing all the, you know, portal wide receivers?
0: Yes, we we should be <laughs> pursuing
1: all of the portal wide
0: receivers. I think uh, that goes without saying. It is hard to have too many good receivers. Like, there's no one that. I, I it's college football today. You just amass as much talent as you possibly can. And don't try and say, oh, we're good at that position. We're not going to take any more talent. Like take the talent always. Um, Daz is a, I mean, a really solid receiver. I don't think he panned out quite as good as his high school numbers projected, but I mean the Miami, like if you go on the Miami Twitter and Miami message boards, like, they're kind of sad to see the guy go. They were expecting him to be a contributor this year. Um, I mean, he's not going to be like an all war It's not like we just got Jamison Williams from Ohio state to come, mm-hmm. you know, like he's going to be a solid receiver. I think he'll be better than Demetrius Robertson was who Georgia fans were not sad to see go at all. You know, they were like who? Yeah. yeah. I mean, at least Miami fans know who this guy is. Um, he had some injury problems. He was a freshman. He was far from home. I'm expecting him to be a solid contributor for Auburn. And who knows? In a couple of years, he might actually he might turn into the guy that he was in high school. So yeah, I think this is a great pickup. I mean, he's not gonna fix all of our problems this year, most likely. Um, but he he's a solid guy who put up just stupid high numbers in high school. I mean, anybody that has offers from Clemson and Alabama, I mean, they were good at one point and they were good enough for those people to think that they were worth going to.
1: Yeah. And I think that you, you know, you look at his potential that Alabama and really, you know, you can look at, you know, obviously if you're going to play football at Clemson or Georgia or Florida, you're a really good football player as a wide receiver going to Alabama with how Alabama is right now and how they've been for the past three to four years, like being or like Alabama just puts multiple receivers in first round NFL drafts. Like it's, it's just what they do at this point. And they saw this guy and were like, yeah, like this guy can be Jerry Judy. He can be Jalen Waddle. He can be Devonte Smith. He can be Jameson. Williams. So it's like, that is something where you're like, okay, this guy has a lot of talent and whether he, you know, wasn't developed at Miami or whatever. Auburn right now, Ike Hilliard, first-year wide receiver coach, gets this guy. He seeks out a guy who has a ton of potential. And you're like, okay, like, now this is where Ike Hilliard can make his money, where he's like, okay, I've got a guy with a ton of talent, and I'm going to develop him. And, you know, I think this this is one of the reasons why we hired Hilliard is because he was an elite receiver in college, you know, has NFL experience. He's the kind of guy that can develop the guys that have raw talent and just, you know, are looking for a fresh start. So I'm really excited about the potential that he has. And, like, it's easier to develop when you're in a bad wide receiver room because you can actually play football and you can play on the field. And it's not just having to get better in practice against the practice squad or it's like, or if he's running practice squad, he's going up against Roger McCreary or Nehemiah Pritchett or Jalen Simpson and he's got, you know, holding, throwing it to him. It's like, okay, what's well you're going up against backups against starters. It's not the same. But when you're a starter and you're getting reps with the starting quarterback and you're getting reps with the starting offense, and the starters like they're going to look at you and be like, okay, we think you're going to be a starter. We're going to give you much more insight and much more coaching than the guy on the practice squad. That yeah, you're trying to make them better. But it's like, but the coach's job is to make the team better and make the starters win football games. So if you have enough talent to be kind of in that mix. It's a lot easier to develop at a place with wide receivers, just as poor as Auburn's are right now. Um, so I'm, I'm personally very excited about him. I know that a lot of people kind of weren't super dazzled by his numbers or lack thereof, but I think this is a really intriguing guy and I'm really interested to see how, um, how Auburn can utilize him and utilize his talents.
0: Yeah. Like I said, it's always good to bring talent. I think he'll be a starter.
1: And I think that the sky's the limit for him. Yeah, for sure. And so, you know, really, you look at kind of this receiver room and you really don't really, I mean, you really can't identify just straight starters, you know? Like you've got Javaris Johnson, you've got Xavier Capers, you got Landon King, but really, and you got, you know, freshmen like Amari Kelly and Jay Fair and guys like that. You really look at it and you're like, I mean, yeah, he could definitely come in and be a day one starter. Like, you really don't know who the starter, you know, who the starting guys are going to be and, you know, to really be until fall camp when we really decide and start seeing, you know, practices in the fall where we can see what the coaches see. But, I mean, I definitely think that, like, you know, this this could be the guy who is our top receiver production-wise. I think
0: it's going to be Daz, Landon, and Shedrick.
1: I could see it. I could see it. And, you know, obviously, we're still going to be pursuing guys still in the portal, so the wide receiver room is not set. But, I mean, you know, it's kind of a why not. You know, like, when you look at him, you're like, well, like, there's no reason why he can't be a starter. There's no reason why he can't be a contributor as of right now. So we'll see. We'll see by the fall kind of how all that pans out.
0: Yeah. I This season... I think that it's going to truly be if you can catch the football, you're going to be out there. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter what your route running's like, doesn't matter what your blocking's like really. If you can catch the football, you're going to be out there. That's why they moved Landon to receiver. Because they're like, we have to have receivers who first and foremost can catch the ball that hits them in the chest. Mm-hmm. That should not be I mean, that should go without saying, but last season that's what killed us. I mean, the receivers couldn't catch to save their lives. It was bad, bad. And so I think that's the top priority this year above all else is just have a receiver that can catch the ball if it hits them in the numbers.
1: Completely agree. I'm definitely interested to see how this wide receiver room develops. But um, I feel like that kind of wraps up our uh, discussion of football. So really, um, now it's kind of – Uh, We'll be back next week, probably next Thursday. We'll be able to break down the series for baseball against Arkansas. Uh, Julian Phillips will be committed somewhere to play basketball. Um, And then, obviously, football is still pursuing the transfer market, so we will just have an update for all of that by next week. Um, Thank you guys for your patience and sticking with us through all the the crazy. And we always appreciate y'all's listens and War Eagle. War Eagle.